Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast, 100th episode, part two. I am your host, Nick, accompanied as always by my co host. Is it me? It is me. Hey, everybody. It's, you. it's me. I'm your. I'm the co-host for this 100th episode extravaganza. My name is Josh. We're on part two of what is conservatively going to be at least four parts of the Dark Phoenix. No, the that's my bad. Yeah. The Phoenix Saga. Um, and then we got like multimedia and shit to cover too, man. Like, what are we doing? What do, What have we embarked on? We got a lot. We got a lot going on. But don't worry, guys, we are going to get to the current stuff. I know there's a ton of shit happening in the fall of X right now, and we're going to get to it. Don't worry. But we're going backwards, which honestly, in retrospect, is really fun to look at, knowing what we know about the present. Right. Uh, we're covering Dark Phoenix Saga, mainly the Proteus Saga, or a story, whatever. Um, we also have our fantastic narrator here with us in studio. Hey, guys, I came back. She came back. <laughs> she and appeared we're... again. And we're all the better for it. A hundred percent. So also, sorry, guys, took a little break because of, of course, the holidays. And sadly, we had a passing in one of our families. So please forgive us for being a little late. But obviously, life happens. But I life do want to talk about things. one thing. Yes, it does. Um, I do want to talk about something that happened recently that we were hinting at last episode. But we're going to talk about now. It's been two or three weeks since the Marvels came out. Uh, you haven't seen it yet, of course, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw it and personally really liked it. Thought it was a fun movie. Didn't like blow my socks off, but like it's a fun team up movie. Like it's exactly what it says it's going to be. Well, and that's and correct me if I'm wrong, but you enjoyed it because you're a, a beta male, right? Is that is yes. that what I'm telling? Okay. 100 percent Uh no alpha in this year, pure no. beta. And, you know, I thought like, That's oh, female empowerment, my masters are on screen. You know? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Just make, I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> but really, like, I always broke it down to like, if you've ever read a comic and there's a team up between three characters that are slightly similar, that's exactly what you get in the movie. For better or worse, for team up books. You know what, man? Exactly. For better or for worse for team up books, man. Because I've, yeah. I've been going through the old archives here over the last handful of months to years now, and the team up ones I've found from the '90s. Oh my good god, there's some bad fucking team ups. Yeah, and like, is the villain the best MCU villain ever? Absolutely not. Is she the worst? Absolutely not. Like, she's fine. She has a legitimate motivation, and she's there and does her job. Like, it's it's fine. So I feel bad that's doing so poorly, you know. But it yeah. happens. But we are here to talk about the end credit scene so at the end of the movie if you haven't so, seen it skip spoiler, ahead a little bit. yeah we're at the three minute mark right now so what are you thinking here they like shoot. two minutes i'll try all to be right. fast about it all right come visit so us my... about five or six minutes in <laughs> so my quick thoughts about it is um if you don't know beast appears in an alternate universe um photon is stuck on the other side of this mysterious galaxy she wakes up and binary Played by her mother, instead of uh, instead of Carol Danvers, but okay. played by her mother is binary in full costume. And as she turns her head, she sees Beast, CGI Beast, not like practical effects, but still looked really good in a lab coat. And you can see they're in the X mansion. Okay. And Beast says she needs to, he needs to alert the professor. So oh. like, you get all that, and like I did not see that shit coming at the end of the Marvels. <laughs> I mean, but. 
it does especially when you bring in the you know the binary of it all like yeah. for for anyone who's not super familiar with with early with 80s captain marvel lore binary was a character created by chris claremont in the pages of uncanny x-men um yeah. when when carol danvers was kind of written off the avengers for a while chris claremont was like uh yes please i'll i'll have another powerful fucking woman was that on my before team, after she had to like try and get an abortion from a demon it was i believe it, I believe it was after she, there was a <laughs> yeah, funny. Uh, that, that is a thing that maybe we'll get into one day. It, it is a horrifying story. I believe she was raped at some point. Too, yes, no? she yeah. was it was around whatever it was around the rape time, if you will. She was raped by the demon so he can give birth to her. To him. Sorry. Oh, right. OK. Yeah, totally normal. Yeah, normal stuff. Uh, normal comics. Normal, normal demon behavior. Um, thus, had that happened. Oh Jesus! That's the that's the 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 term demon. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but no, I'm I'm really excited because apparently they filmed that scene pretty early into production, mm-hmm. implying like this was intentional. It wasn't like oh we need a end credit scene to put in this movie last minute. Like they filmed this pretty early. So like, and you're putting a new MCU character in that universe. So you're like, okay, I'm assuming we have to get her eventually. Yeah. We're going to get a pretty comic accurate X-Men group very soon, especially if anyone's seen uh, Loki season two, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, I see a little better where they're going with the multiverse and how it's being explained and maybe how they could write off Kang if they don't want to use a certain actor anymore. Right. right. Um, that that seems to be like all the ultimate journey of that, well, of like, that television show. He's a major part of season two of Loki. Like he is a, in every episode a version of him at least is in every episode he is but i will say much like at the end of the latest ant-man movie he's just beaten yes until you see an army (laughs) randomly a stadium full (laughs) but that was the ant-man movie we didn't see that in this one right we didn't see that in loki right no they referenced it at the did you watch it yeah yeah Oh, we watched, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did talk about it. Um, yeah. yeah, they referenced it. Uh, Owen Wilson references it like one second, even though he calls mm. it the 616 universe and yeah, yep, this yep, debate yep. of that's right, what, that's right. Yeah, which one's 616? But um, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to see where it's going because like we we've seen Xavier, we know Deadpool three is coming out with uh, Hugh Jackman in full <laughs> Whether costume. Whether we want it to or not, it's it's coming. <laughs> it's the only Marvel movie next year, which is kind of crazy. You know what? God bless it then. They're trying to actually take a break and like reset and reestablish what they're actually fucking doing. And like, you know what's a guaranteed hit? Deadpool 3. And it's just fair. It is. It's going to be nostalgia, Deadpool. It's going to be a hit. As long as it's I mean, decent. It's, yeah. It, and people love the X-Men. Like, yeah. Much like they say in um, the movie Scrooged, children love an acrobat. People love an X-Man. So... <laughs> So it. anyway, guys, is the fucking go- season. <laughs> is it? Uh, we are gonna go right to it right now. We seriously are- wait before we go right to it though, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. If you have not, if if you like a Christmas movie, and if you have not seen the Christmas movie Scrooged with Bill Murray, it is a great movie. Do yourself a favor and go see that movie. Be '90s Nick and do a double feature of that, and then Batman Returns. Ooh, hard too- change. Two great Christmas movies. A hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> Same, almost borderline the same movie. It's fine. <laughs> almost. If, Trust if, me. 
it, a, a tweak here or there, but otherwise, yeah. same premise. <laughs> Brain damage here or there, same thing. Do you like black goo coming out of a short man's mouth? You're gonna love this movie. <laughs> I got I got news for you. That also kind of happens in fucking uh, Scrooged. So actually, yeah, well, all the ghosts, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. You the know, cab driver maybe. Anyway, um, cab driver too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now we are going to kick it off with X Men 105. We open with the X-Men fighting Eric the Red, who has just randomly shown up at the mansion. He's not putting up much of a fight when Fire Lord comes storming in to defend him. Obviously, the former Herald of Galactus, which he loves to mention, kicks the X-Men's asses. We then learn that Eric the Red planned for this so that Fire Lord would think the X-Men were villains trying to take over the world, and that their leader, Xavier, is the worst of them, which he is. So Fire Lord, being a loyal friend, takes off to Jean and Misty's apartment to do some murdering. We cut to a Shi'ar spacecraft closing in on Lalandra's ship, but before they catch her, they learn from their records that Earth has beaten Galactus numerous times. They freak out, fire a couple missiles at Lalandra, and flee. One of those missiles hits her ship right as she's star-trekking her way to Earth. That's when Lalandra just magically appears in Jean and Misty's apartment, because she's looking for Charles. Jean's parents, of course, hate all of this. Lilandra immediately passes out, but is able to telepathically tell Charles everything that's happening. What's happening, you ask? Well, Lilandra's brother, the Shi'ar Emperor, is trying to destroy the universe. And when she tried to lead a rebellion to stop him, she was exiled and now is being hunted. Fire Lord arrives and Jean unleashes the phoenix for the first time. They go flying and fighting through Central Park. Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum make a very meta cameo as Chris is basically describing his story idea to Dave, right as Fire Lord and Phoenix come crashing down in front of them. Eric the Red uses the, the distraction to attack and kidnap Lalandra. We learn that his name is actually Shikari. He blasts everyone and takes off with Lalandra. He heads to the roof where it takes him 10 whole minutes to build a fucking Stargate. He's about to use it when the X-Men come flying in on some hovercraft. Shikari shoots them, and once again, their jet explodes and they go flying. Shikari gets away and the gate closes behind him. Xavier is distraught, but Jean, who just whooped Fire Lord's ass uses the Phoenix Force to reopen the gate, and all the X-Men, except for Charles, go through to rescue Lalandra. As is often the case, Jean's parents are mortified. Thank you, narrator. So, a lot happens in this issue, but my very first note is actually, Fire Lord is dumb. Um, as a Herald of Galactus from, like, older Fantastic Four books, I never really cared that much about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the whole premise of this being like he's just been tricked, very simply tricked. I, and one of the in my first note is is kind of along similar lines of it's just I fucking miss the thought balloons in <laughs> in the fucking in that scene where we're learning that oh he's been tricked. I just it's a fucking 
thought balloon explanation that Eric the Red is thinking to himself, which is, haha, I've tricked you here, and here's my <laughs> evil plan in my head. It's like, yes. Let me recap what? what's really happening in my head. You know head. what? Chris Cla no one fucking recapped the previous issue better than Chris Claremont. I don't know if you if yes. you picked up on that going through here. 100 percent Every fucking issue. This was the Marvel way. Cause they this was before collecting and, and like so every issue they treated as someone's jumping on point. So they well, would... actually um DC was known for having that little pre-page about what happened previously mm -hmm. on. Yeah. And Marvel's like, fuck them, we don't need that, basically. Yeah. And yeah. so, so this almost have spite. <laughs> they didn't have that. This is this time. is their way of doing it, though, because again, it's a sequential, it's a serialized story back in fucking like the seventies and early eighties. So like, you know, it's not as easy to get fucking back issues. Yeah. So fucking like every fucking issue, there's a fucking weird ass previously on, and this time it's just a perfect thought balloon. Yeah. Um. I loved. Because at first I was like, Fire Lord, that's a bit OP to fight the X-Men. Okay, yeah, you can use it to show off how powerful Gene is now. Um, but I was just like, <clears throat> sorry, uh, I was just like, wow, this art's amazing, but it felt like almost an excuse from the writers. Like, I want to use a cool visual character. Because if I remember correctly, he's not normally connected to the Shadow Empire. No, no, he's not. He is in no way connected to the Shadow. I don't. I truly, he's not a character I'm familiar with, which means he's not a frequent X Men character. Yeah. No, I know him from uh, Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah. And at this time, I don't know. I can't remember if Chris Claremont was writing the Fantastic Four at this time. He might have been, or he might have been working closely with it because he uses a lot of Fantastic Four characters. Yeah. In in especially his early run of X-Men. But this is also like you said, like I think the prem the the idea of bringing in Fire Lord cuz again, this was like coming off of the 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 60s and in early 70s where like Galactus was all the rage, you know what I mean? So like Fire Lord was a big deal then. And so this was like you said to show off Phoenix's power. This is the first actual fucking time we see Phoenix in action. We see signs of just how powerful she is in the fight that they have because she's as as our narr narrator so aptly said whooping fire lord's ass yep. um she's also like you can see immediately how like she's being romanticized by that power she's like she's like loving how strong she is and she's enjoying kicking the shit out of fire lord's ass like well i do like the idea of like you can say like the power is seducing her but also she's not a damsel in distress she's not a victim she's not she's and that's and that's control. another yeah good sorry that's all, that's all that's it yeah and i mean that's a whole nother facet of of what chris claremont brings to the x-men which we still see in the x-men which is the women are the strongest characters they are we, we will see it and i'll have it in my notes when it comes up again but we see time and time again in the issues that we're going to cover today the number of times quite literally it's the fem it's the woman character coming in, swooping in like Superman, lifting the helpless man up and carrying him to safety. Like yeah. Storm does it to Scott numerous times. Storm does it to Wolverine. Polaris does it a couple fucking times. Like numerous times. It's it's it, and that I mean that's a it's a Chris Claremont staple right there. Well, speaking of uh, staples of his writing style, I have noticed after this batch, I was just like. Oh, so the premise is X-Men are hanging out and just fucking throw shit at them. 
Yes. That's what, and that is the <laughs> X-Men we deal with today. That is why the X-Men is basically a soap opera too. Cause it's like, you just, what could their X-Men are just hanging out, trying to be horny. And then a yeah. fucking comic book happens around them. That's the, pre- <laughs> that's the premise of the X-Men. Yeah. The X-Men are trying to, that way. the X-Men are trying to bone and then fucking Emperor Dakan is like, oh, I found this crystal. Now I want to do shit. And they're like, oh, fuck, we got to go do this now instead. Like, well, like, and I know it's ahead of myself, but like later in the book when it's just like X-Men are just training in the danger room. Oh, Beast is back. We think he's a ghost. He's not a ghost. He's real. Oh, and there's danger over there. Oh, okay, we're going to go. And they all just run. And it's just like perfect. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, you just perfectly oh, okay. summarized the best X-Men. <laughs> you know, because they thought two of them were dead and the other ones thought the other ones were dead. It's fine. Yeah, it's. <laughs> The number of times in Chris Claremont's 17-year run, the fucking premise, the overall storyline is one group of X-Men thinks the other group of X-Men is dead. And so and this they group, move on. And this so this group of X-Men starts moving on and they become their own superhero team. And this group is like, well, now we have to become our own superhero team. And 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 then eventually a crossover will happen. They're like, oh my god, you're alive. <laughs> like it's fucking insane. It's yeah, we were down I just, the street. Yeah, we we're like, what? We were just in Australia. You know, it's the '80s, right? Like, <laughs> phones are a thing. Speaking of which, if anyone wants a figure of Outback Rogue, that's out now. Oh, really? Nice. That's a real thing. Yeah, I think it's an Amazon exclusive, maybe. Nice. Yeah. Anywho, on to issue one. Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on. Wait, oh wait, no, I sorry, got you more more, I got a couple more notes on on, like. Since we are, since this is also my thesis on on Gene. Okay. Also... My last note. I'll just say my last note real yeah, quick go. was, Leandra just really goes with the flow. That's what I was writing down before. Fucking <laughs> little, no one just is like, you know what? I have a decent moral compass, but I'm also just gonna kind of ride that wave like Leandra, yeah. which and is I why put... she and Xavier get along so fucking well. Immediate, like, just we are in love. I guess, dude. I... In a couple issues, he's just like, I'm going to go for what, the first of many times. Her. I'm just going to go to space to fuck this bird lady. <laughs> like, that is the premise of, of many of Charles's adventures. But I do want to I do want to point out that, like, yes, dur- during the fight with um, Fire Lord, not only do we see Gene, like, being, like, empowered by the power, if you will, and, like, feeling like loving that strength. But she's becoming like bloodthirsty. Like Xavier's literally telepathically calling to her for help. And she's like, Gene, you have to go help him. You can kill Fire Lord later. It's okay. <laughs> like she's like, but I really do want to kill him. Like, it's fucking crazy how like You fucking challenge me. <laughs> you're starting to see a lot of that like that duality in her and that like it it's it's not it's very it's very gauche now. But like in, in like this bipolar type syndrome that they display with the Dark Phoenix, I think for the time was a really well done like metaphor, if you will. Well, it seems he like spaced out nicely. I'm oh, sorry, continue. I, but I think what we know about it now from a scientific and cultural <laughs> standpoint, I think it's mm. it's touchy to and and so like I'm not a fucking doctor in any sense of the imagination so like i will probably not be like as as kosher as i should be when discussing that but like a lot of what appeals to me about this saga is my like 
my own mental health relationship to what I see in Gene. Mm. So like, I, I think that's going to come up a lot. And like, I, you start seeing a lot of this like manic behavior in Gene as she, as the dark yes. Phoenix saga starts to like really ramp up. And I, and I think I really, I, I don't recall seeing it much in comics prior to this, that, that subtlety, that like that long-term storytelling, but also that like, it's it's a little subtle under the un, like there's a lot of punching in in oh superhero space action but there's this like underlying exploration of like mental health that you don't you didn't see a lot in that era so like i really i think it it means a lot to me because of that too i noticed that because i feel like he spaced it out nicely it wasn't every mm-hmm. issue someone's like hey gene are you okay but it yeah, was exactly. felt like every two issues someone noticed it and then mm-hmm. until like became more apparent with Moira asking questions and like we know someone's manipulating her now and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it exactly. And and to end this issue on a more of a lighthearted, <laughs> I, I do want to say like Charles Xavier is a fucking asshole, man. Like the way he just screams at his X Men to just do his bidding, and then fucking go. <laughs> and then at the end when they all go through the fucking portal to save this not woman knowing that, where they're going not knowing where they're going just to go save this woman that he's demanding them lay down their lives for he then in front of Jean's parents and her roommate is like it's too late fire lord they're already gone and probably already dead so, dude what the fuck is wrong with you god he's the fucking worst he is the worst on to issue 107. The X-Men once again find themselves in space having to fight for their lives. That's because the Shi'ar Imperial Guard is waiting for them on the other side of the Stargate. The X-Men are pretty confused, naturally, and Jean is spent from, you know, transporting everyone through space. When the X-Men tell the Imperial Guard that they're there to save Lalandra, all hell breaks loose and the Guard attacks them. Wolverine takes this opportunity to give Scott some shit. The X-Men are holding their own at first. Nightcrawler uses his image inducer to scare someone named Hobgoblin. Cyclops just annihilates someone. And after getting all his clothes burned off, Wolverine takes out Oracle and Starbolt and then beats the ever-loving shit out of Fang and steals all of his clothes. Emperor Deken and Shikari, the assassin formerly known as Eric the Red, are holding Lalandra captive, and Deken has summoned a wild-ass-looking demon called a soul drinker. <laughs> Scott hears Lalandra screaming for help, but is too far away to get to her in time. But not Nightcrawler. Kurt bamps his way over to rescue Lalandra. Kurt bamps himself and Lalandra out of danger, but this is the first time he's bamped with another person, and he's drained. With Lalandra safe, Scott demands to know what the fuck is happening, which probably would have been better to ask before going through the Stargate. Lalanda then previously ons to Scott about how she was sentenced to death because she wanted to stop her brother, the Emperor, from reaching something known as the Macron Crystal. Right, the Macron Crystal. Which he's going to use to destroy all of existence. Because they took all this time to talk, Gladiator was able to reach them and attempts to recapture Lalandra. Meanwhile, Wolverine, who is now full-on wearing Fang's costume, continues nearly murdering a bunch of Shi'ar guards. That's when the Starjammers arrive. 
The Starjammers and the X-Men quickly form an alliance and take out the Imperial Guard. Jean decides to mind-scan Corsair just to make sure they can trust the Starjammers, but she ends up learning something shocking instead. But all of this is for naught, as the stars are in alignment and the Macron crystal has been activated, and a large flash of light engulfs everyone. We end at Starcore, where Reed Richards and our man Corbo are freaking out because their computers just registered that all of existence just momentarily disappeared. Man, this issue and the next issue, so much is thrown, not just at you, but like aggressively punched at you, like chucked at you. I mean, like new characters, new concepts. Where are we right now? Like right now. Nowhere. Everywhere. The center of the universe (laughs) before time in memory. And also like just to like really drive home. Oh, we're going to fucking ram some sci-fi shit so far down your throat. They even have the audacity to call this issue where no X-Man has gone before. They're just straight up Star Trek fucking stealing. Like it, it's. I noticed that when they, I think in the last issue, when they first went to the ship, they were just blatantly using Star Trek. Oh my God. It was terms. the fucking, it was the Enterprise fucking yeah. deck. It was the, and Lalandra like fucking, what's it called? Beams down. Beams, thank you. Thank <laughs> and they you. said like, just like Star Trek. <laughs> just like, gee, oh, wow, yeah, isn't that 70s, just like Star yeah. Trek? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it they just throw in this we'll we'll speak more on this in in another in in the next issue is it yeah, yeah. the next yeah the next this issue is okay. more fighting okay so what i this is a good chance to, to talk about the art for a moment then yes okay so with us now is is our man dave cockrum who i love when a lot of the when i think of the x-men a lot of what I see are pretty much Dave Cockrum and, and John. I'm Hart. a new fan now, apparently. Yeah. Um. And so with with Cockrum, you really get more of like this pulp sci-fi vibe. Mm. You see that when we just did that space saga with the Sentinels inlaying and like all those trippy ass colors. And he loves to draw space. He loves to draw these like galaxy things. Very Jack Kirby-esque shit. Yeah. And then when our very next issue, we'll get John Byrne and we'll talk more about him later. But like John Byrne brings way more of that like late 70s, early 80s, modern superhero aesthetic. And and the X-Men go, in my mind, they go from looking and like story-wise too, they're still very sci-fi, but we go from this very hardcore sci-fi Macron crystal to the Proteus saga. And there's some goofy shit in between that our narrator will let us know about um but the, there's like a sci-fi pulp is it really more goofy than anything else <laughs> to be honest with you yes yeah to be honest with you yes <laughs> um yeah so the, this this what we're looking at right now is the last of pulp sci-fi x-men at its at its finest in my opinion uh, I definitely I commented to you earlier this week how I really liked the art in one side and then like I felt like this one was lazy and mm. then like it got better in the Proteus a lot better in the Proteus saga. It does, and that yeah. yeah, that's that that's that more modern aesthetic you start kind of seeing. You'll you'll it's a lot of like 
like you would like not frank miller but you know what i mean like yeah like that that early 70s or i mean late 70s shit but um, yeah i mean look at i mean just the fucking soul drinker first of all soul drinker no notes on that goddamn name love that fucking <laughs> name but like just look at the scenes with the soul drinker like especially like 177 in, for in your textbooks at home um like lalandra the background the fucking the the scene with the the it looking right directly down at him like that's just right out of like adventure comic sci-fi shit you know what i mean well especially when the background is just pink and it's like what why is that background pink but the other one's blue and the other one's lava (laughs) all the choices so who so that's where so for you are you and and you we can talk more about it in the next issue when john burnham actually appears but so you like dave cockerham more like you like what we're looking at in issue I like his page layout and like artistic choices more but I also like I said in the Proteus Saga more so I started liking John Byrne stuff I feel like he found his, yeah. his rhythm I just feel like Cockrum is more experimental yeah mm-hmm. with his art and like his stylistic choices of like what the characters are doing and more mm-hmm. kind of expressive in the action yeah yeah I, I yeah. think I'm with you on that one for sure yeah but all, all right. in all, I think my first note, because I'm kind of going, I'm like, yeah, it's a fight. You know, it's a, I know these characters already. So it's kind of funny that someone's just like, my grand crystal, she are uh, star jammers. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm just throwing it at you. And like, are you, are you still with me? Are we still here? Okay, good, good, good. Because we got more coming. <laughs> we got a soul good. drinker. Because it's all, it's all gas, no breaks from here on out. Yeah. And like, this guy's this guy's dad. What? When did that become an option? Um, but I also had a note before of, I legit thought Wolverine skinned the other guy. <laughs> I was so confused because he just appears with Wolverine head, but then the other guy's suit. But I, I always thought that suit was part of that guy's skin. Dude, I okay. I have a couple of notes on Fang's costume. So like, <laughs> he just first of all, I I bet you it originally got him? pitched. I, I bet you Chris Claremont's original pitches, he skins this guy. And, and fucking Jim Shooter is like, no, 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 it's a costume. He takes his costume. <laughs> you can't say he skinned him. <laughs> and so that's how we got to costume. But I bet you anything, Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum were like, yeah, let's just skin him. Um, the other guy, I don't know, Cosmic Colossus, I guess. <laughs> but I think but I think Wolverine really likes that new look because there's at some point later on in John Byrne when John Byrne is on the book, he starts he gives him more of a like a brown and tan costume. He gives Wolverine more of a brown and tan costume. Yeah. You know, you remember that? Like during the Frank Miller stuff? Yeah. Like yeah. that comes back and like that is basically exactly what this thing costume is it, yeah it looks a lot maybe he's like i like these colors on this guy it's easier for me to draw and Let's then that back and then for our for our listeners who miss us covering modern stuff i do want to say like we stopped covering marauders when it when when they went to shiar space basically yeah, with Steve um, Orlando, yeah but i did read a good chunk of that arc and at some point during that arc fang makes another appearance and he like because some rescue happens like Dakin, a Dakin, however, I think it's Dakin, right? Dakin, Dakin like rescues some Shi'ar shit or whatever. Um, Zandra, Lalandra, and and Xavier's child, who's the Shi'ar Empress now, she bestows the title of Fang onto onto Dakin, 
And so oh. now Dakin has the costume of Fang because he he's like an Imperial Guard, basically. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. like that's that's a little bit of like so his father skins him only for one day his son to go <laughs> on to become a Fang himself. Interesting. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I figured you did because it was like it was it was deep into that run and we had stopped pretty early. Yeah, that that's now that's a thing now. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't know um, if it'll ever come back up, but exactly. Um. So now we are Ooh. any more notes? I do. I have a bunch of notes. I have a bunch of notes. Okay, good. Go for it. Okay. I got um. I got a note on Wolverine. Like as soon as they start battling, his fucking thing is like this is a fine mess you got us into, Summers. He's so fucking. St- he cannot miss an opportunity. I'm waiting. I have shit. an issue where I'm going to talk about that passive aggressive back and forth. It's oh like, my I think god, it's two issues. And, yeah, and he's I got like, that. And, and I love, and this is a great example of the fucking thought bubble because like he like lashes out. He's like, leave us alone. But in his eyes, like back off, Wolverine, or so help me God, I'm gonna pal you to the moon. But like I can see, like reading this like again now, like having learned more of of uh the internet's uh shipping of of scott and and wolverine you know what i mean yeah like i can see i can see some of that shipping now in these early ones and i'm like all right i don't hate it as much as i did back in the day (laughs) it's i i'm saving it mainly for um the part where he's worried if proteus took over oh my god that's where i'm kind of saving (laughs) so good and it's so horny when you read consistent. it now, it's so yeah. horny. It's a little, little horny. Like I but didn't, like... <laughs> I didn't read it with the with the gay horny undertones because I was, you know what I mean. Like, but learning about it, I was like, oh my god, how how could I see it in any other way now? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so thank you, internet, for bringing that to me because it's really adding a whole new appreciation to an otherwise part. Like, I hated Wolverine. Like, I hate that Wolverine. But this makes me enjoy. He's a more. terrible person. I forgot He's what issue. Awful, was. fucking awful, awful. There's an issue where he says like, "Oh, so many of my notes." I love her. Don't touch her. And it's like, you love Jean? Why? What are you talking about? Like, a... she doesn't like you. Oh, she's such a fucking. And anyway, Star Jammers are fucking cool. Like, could we talk about just the way they just come fucking flying down? Like, hey, bitches, we're cool and we're here now. If I'm a kid, it. I'm having a heart attack. You just showed me the McCran crystal and the Shi'ar Empire Supreme <laughs> Imperial Guard. And I'm like, oh my God, we're just on a planet fighting cosmic creatures that are vaguely like the X-Men. That's Dude, cool. Who the fuck are these guys? Do you know what you're doing right now, though, is you're describing me as a kid watching the animated series when all of a sudden yeah. the fucking Star Jammers are here. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like With a little, little bit that I've started life. watching, I see like where they cut down this. and Yeah, I haven't. I have this. not. Since, I, I have not since I was a child, I think rewatch the phoenix saga on on the cartoon i only watched the first two and realized i should probably wait till we're done reading yeah the yeah that's what i i kept thinking about doing that too but i want to finish this first before i i, I watch but it they again. they kind of trim the fat when it's like yeah. they're staying true to <laughs> it, like, hold up what the trim the what <laughs> these things you know that are How... gonna take another five episodes to explain listeners are fucking lucky that i didn't go back and add the issues that this book took out you know what i mean you know some people would say recovering the phoenix saga and there's a whole thing about proteus it's a thing it's connected it's fine it's fine and some people like the co-host of this very podcast will tell you that you're a fucking idiot 
<laughs> How could you think any other way? Anyway, other notes I have. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Classic Gene, dude. Just fucking reading people's minds without any fucking any consent. Any permission. Just the... any permission. Oh, I, I just got to make sure they're on our side. Uh, oh, I'm just, <laughs> I'm doing it for the moral reasons. Okay, Xavier's fucking chosen one. I see you. <laughs> Um, it was very like we're in the middle of a fight and they're obviously helping us but let me just dig around their brain <laughs> why and then the number of times in like issues to come where she's like i wouldn't dare read our teammates minds fuck you you wouldn't yes, you would fuck you, you you do it you i've i've seen you do it anyway so many times <laughs> last note and then we can get back to the narrator telling us the good news um even my last note for this issue even goddamn Reed Richards calls Corbo for answers. He does. That is true. The fucking reality blinks out of existence. And what happens? Reed Richards gets on the floor. Corbo, baby, I don't know what happened. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm going to look up when was the last time we saw him in comics if he died or something. I need that character we back. We need Corbo back. He's we... so good at everything. He's so fucking good. <laughs> so fucking good. Oh, narrator, help us out here. On to issue 108. The X-Men and the Starjammers watch with horror as the Macron crystal begins to explode with light and reality blinks around them. Meanwhile, Corbeau is informing the Fantastic Four, the U.S. President, and the Avengers that something wild is happening and the existence is starting to unravel. Naturally, the President doesn't believe him because it's science and the Avengers are fucking useless. But that's okay because the X-Men are on the job. Back in space, the X-Men and Starjammers are confronted by the tiny guardian of the Macron crystal, Jaff, who says he's there to kill anyone who tries to harm or use the crystal. An alarmingly unself-aware Wolverine doesn't take this alien seriously because he's so small. That's when Jaff punches Wolverine straight into orbit and the Starjammers ship has to pick him up before he dies in the void of space. Then Joff lays waste to all the X-Men and Starjammers until Banshee barely manages to get a supersonic scream out and destroys Joff. But victory is very short-lived and the Crystal's second guardian, a giant robot-looking creature, appears. As the giant robot is trying to crush everyone, one of the Starjammers, Raza, rushes towards Emperor Deken and hurls him into the Macron Crystal. When he does, there's a large flash of light, and everyone is blinked inside the crystal. As they begin to awaken, the X-Men and Starjammers begin having waking nightmares of their deaths and the deaths of those they love. But given that Jean literally just died and came back to life, she no longer fears death and is able to fight past it. She tries to shake Scott out of it, but theres he's no longer in control of his powers, and his optic beam blasts through Jean. But Jean is the phoenix now, bitches, and that shit can't hurt her. She uses her powers to knock out Scott, which is becoming a bit of a trend these days, and uses the phoenix force to mount an attack against the crystal. Inside the center of the crystal, Jean sees that it is unraveling the fabric of reality, but she doesn't have enough strength to fix it. As Jean feels herself slipping from reality, Storm reaches out and tells Jean to grab her hand and use her love as an anchor to reality. Aw, friendship. 
Jean says doing so would drain Storm's life force, but Storm is willing to sacrifice herself for Jean. I mean, reality. But no offense to Storm, her life force isn't enough. Jean needs more. So she guilts Corsair into volunteering him by telling him Scott is his son. (gasps) With both of their energy now feeding her, Jean is able to use the Phoenix Force to stitch reality back together and bring the X-Men home through the Stargate. With a wounded Wolverine in tow, the X-Men arrive back in New York just to find Fire Lord waiting for them. But he's not there to kill them. He's there to apologize. Xavier told him the truth about Shikari and the Shi'ar, and he was protecting the Stargate until they returned. I guess the former Herald of Galactus didn't have the power to, you know, reopen the gate and go help them. But there's no time to ask about that because Lalandra appears through the gate. She says that she's there because her brother is now, quote, incurably insane. And until the Shi'ar get their shit together and elect her as Empress, she wants to hang out in Bone Xavier. Everyone awkwardly stands around, mostly thankful to be alive. All right, so can anyone in the classroom explain to me what the Macran Crystal is? Oh, I'm so glad you asked me about the Macran Crystal. It, it is a MacGuffin, yes. It- Thank you. narrator hit it right on the fucking head (laughs) it is a MacGuffin of all MacGuffin it is as will later be known the nexus of all realities within the Macron crystal lies the city we saw here um it 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 exists around basically the doorways to all realities so all of existence in all reality, much like Loki. Think of Loki sitting in his chair. That's the Macron crystal. Okay. And so like, it what, seems vaguely like everything, but also not. Why what happens crystal? in this particular instance is as the Nexus, when these stars are in alignment and, and it opens the doors, the reason it's being protected by these guardians, any damage to the inner, <laughs> any damage to the inner nexus, a la Scott Summers blowing a fucking hole through it, um, will cause all of reality to start to like come in on itself, which will basically form a big bang and start a brand new reality. Thus, blinking out, as they kept saying, blinking, blinking out existence as we know it. That, that's the Amicron Crystal, obviously. Oh, obviously. Obviously. And then it goes on to be a bunch of other shit whenever the X-Men need it. It's a Shi'ar, (laughs) it's a Shi'ar thing. Um, It's very dangerous. Obviously. Um, If I remember correctly, it's tied very closely to the Age of Apocalypse too, I think. Mm, Okay. Um, That could make sense. you need a nexus of reality. You got yourself an Emcron crystal. That's, that's... That that a hurricane still vaguely works in. For yeah, a there's, a, there's a there's a scissors. It's a whole little. It's a whole little universe in there. It's a whole. It's, it's got its own atmosphere. Little ways. I love seeing everyone get like trippy, but also see their worst fears and mm-hmm. like all this weird shit. Yeah, uh, but and not as... to jump into too much in the issue. I really like the creativity of fighting these random guardians dude wolverine 
of all fucking people being like, oh, this little Jaff character, he can't hurt nobody. Then he gets himself punched into fucking orbit. Classic. Fucking classic shit right there, man. Yeah, I, I'm still confused. Oh, <clears throat> I think maybe this happened in the 90s, um, but I'm still confused at this point why Wolverine was such a popular character, but I think the 90s helped that a lot for him. Um, it's it's around this time. Miller. It's it's around this time. Like Chris Claremont and Frank Miller do the Wolverine thing because his popularity starts growing. Like, okay, it's probably around the time John Byrne starts drawing him, which is which is about which is now. Obviously, yeah. this is John Byrne. But like, I would definitely say the Phoenix Saga, and after he starts becoming like that tough guy character, and he just gets a growing popularity, and then. Kitty Pride probably helps a lot too when Kitty Pride comes around and ha- like it becomes like a little like his little foil and shit. So right now, for context of anyone who has good taste in comedy, um, every time I look at Wolverine in the comics, he now has the voice of MacGruber. <laughs> if that makes any sense, like it, I he's mean, always it, like, "I'm gonna mean, do but... this crazy tough thing," and then he immediately gets beaten up called short and kind of a loser but still views himself as a toughest guy ever nobody messes with the wolverine pal all right listen here bub <laughs> it, i will definitely tell you in in the hellfire there's there's a particular issue in the hellfire series in the hellfire club um arc where wolverine goes in like the first of his like berserker modes and that is unequivocally cool as fuck it is like because right. it, it's 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 there that you start seeing oh this is when wolverine became cool now they figured out how to write him properly and not just be anti teamwork but then always the first one really to do but the first one to wear somebody's clothes <laughs> um this issue was a lot much like the last issue it kind of reminds me when people talk about days of future past but don't remember that it's only like two or three issues right yeah yeah i mean the mccran crystal stuff with the shiar introduction all these characters is two fucking issues and i do and i and i i think i have this note somewhere else but i think we oh no i do i actually that's funny i do have it in in this particular issue but let's take a moment to appreciate every letterer who ever worked on a chris claremont x-men book because (laughs) these fucking people this is lettering by hand man yeah like these people took what was copious amounts of dialogue and just a shit fucking ton of narration and they fucking fit that shit in there there are there are fucking box like dialogue text boxes whatever the fuck they're called again thing now um in some of the most random places in these fucking books because they have to cram in his fucking narration like they fucking work overtime and we need to appreciate their hard work. I'm not going to go back and look up their names. So if you no. appreciate uh, them on your own time. <laughs> but yeah, it's hard. This is the kind of issue I feel is hard to review only because like everything happened. Everything. Existence blinked for a second. She became, I guess you could say her full potential for a little bit close to at least. And she, like, I mean, <clears throat> took over space (laughs) She literally pieced back together all of reality using the phoenix force so yeah i think she slightly lived up to her potential and then just like get to the portal are we good oh my god 
And then what she fainted because trip. that's what happens in these goddamn X-Men pe- books. They Somebody does something strenuous and they oh, they get the fucking vapors for three issues. <laughs> and then incredible. just to get back and, and Fire Lord's like, oh, guys, huge misunderstanding. If I just took the time to talk to someone, I would have found out real quick. <laughs> to, but kudos to Fire Lord for being like... For being tricked li- again. Listen, I'm clearly not as powerful as the Phoenix, and I can't just open this gate and go help you fight this battle. But what I can do is um, just stand here and protect this gate and make sure no one else just happens by and and undoes this 10-minute handiwork. (laughs) And um, so Corsair, he didn't know who Cyclops was, right? He He did not. It is in this moment... That he so tells them that. Yeah. A couple things happen here. So Storm breaks out of her nightmare um, because of her love for Jean. The narrator was getting like teared up at the love at the love they shared. Um and she offers her life force to Jean. She's like, because Jean is like not even sure Jean exists anymore. Like she's being fucking like whirlwinded in, into the nexus of reality. And Storm is like, you are real. You're my friend. Use my life force and and you can like get the strength you need. And she's like, I will. Thank you. Also, it's not enough. Um, your love, though I appreciate it, is not enough. Um, Corsair, why don't you do it? Um, that dude's your son. Okay, cool. You're on board now? Good. Um, and then she uses their life force together and she's able to. Um, no, I, I remember that part. But like, I didn't know if his reaction was supposed to be genuine. His like, reaction oh, is genuine. oh my god! Like, no, know. his reaction is oh my god! I had no. He, of course, he doesn't know he's been in space. I don't know. Like then it's. I mean, it is, but like the biggest coincidence in the world. I, I thought he was playing it up because coincidence. <laughs> Chris Claremont is at the helm, my friend. <laughs> there is no such thing as coincidence. There is only future stories. Because <laughs> like when it happened, it's like oh my god! Like, I just took it as like he was trying to play it up. I'm with you. I, I, it, it, it's, it, he, this is the first time he knows, but yeah, yeah. he's, right. everybody's extra dramatic because remember, we're in a Chris Claremont story. And also, the universe is shattering. Also, the universe is going out of existence. And, and I do love, I do love, um, Chris Claremont making sure we're very aware that the Fantastic Four and the Avengers are useless. They can't do anything. The <laughs> Avengers are literally crying and folding onto each other. Like, we're helpless. We're helpless. <laughs> and the X-Men are literally on the spot. And it's Jean Grey who's like, I got this shit, bitches. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I also really liked how um, how Banshee took out the first one, the first Guardian. Yeah. Like, oh, he's made out of metal and machines. If I just yell at him, he might burst, right? <laughs> Sure, if he's a computer, then sure. That should work. That's science. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely crush me. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely and again, like there's a lot of like subtlety of like the split personality aspect. The again, and this is from a time and age when split personality and bipolar were very interchangeable, and they are not. They are not. <laughs> um, I'm aware of that, but in this time this whole like there's this moment when gene is the phoenix she is the phoenix as she approaches the nexus of reality and she's saying she's beautiful she's gene but she's also the phoenix and 
for the first time she like truly feels alive like all of this like imagery of like her feeling like her like most awake self like starts happening here we start seeing it again pretty heavily in the proteus saga too yes um i think i like this it's a good issue the art was bugging me here and there i i like the splash pages just not as much as the the um page layout i will yeah it's it's definitely it's very early john byrne he's like coming in in the middle of a dave cockrum special basically and it's you know it's We'll see when they return to Shi'ar space for the Dark Phoenix saga, but like he he can draw a good he can draw a good space shit. It's just yeah. man, it's, he he can he can draw good he can draw good. All right. But Any he more notes from you. Um, no, I think that's about it. <laughs> a lot. It's like the the these last two issues, I just keep thinking like that was a lot. It was a lot. A lot for two issues. Like I like the pacing more of the proteus saga for sure because it felt like yes these are the i think what five issues like these are the five issues this is like the pacing and everything this is like oh boy okay we're in space uh we got shiar uh we got gods we got end of time we got end of the universe uh uh dr corbeau uh we got this <laughs> like, it, all right, just... cool. like i like it all but it also melts my brain as an adult <laughs> and then the to culminate it all the end of all of this crazy brain melting story. The last panel is Lalandra basically like, oh, I'm staying behind because I want to fuck Charles Xavier. Yeah. And everyone is just standing there like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Could have done without that bit of information, but uh, to each of their own, I guess. Like basically, like she just walks up like, well, I started a rebellion, so I can't really go back. What's up, guy in wheelchair? And yeah, like, she's like, oh, my brother is, is he's mad. He's he's gone insane. Um, so we need a new leader. But they, you know, you know how fucking politics is. It's gonna take a little bit. So until they can sort it all out, I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna fuck your father. Okay, everybody. Yeah. And they're all and like, I, I want Kurt just to be like, who the fuck are you? Like, like we Kurt, chased after you. <laughs> Kurt's like, I just nearly died. I bamped for the the first person. Kurt Wagner ever bamps with is Lalandra, and he didn't even know who the fuck she was at the time. Nope. He's like, That's what a dies, hero he is. I I That's what a hero he is. That's what a hero he is, but it's just, I feel like if I was on the X-Men team right now, I'd be confused on so many levels. I just met aliens. I just went through time and space. It's almost There's like a bird lady. You're telling me, though, what, what I'm hearing is you really like the Proteus Saga compared to this, right? Is that what I'm hearing? Am I hearing you correctly? It's yes and no. Like th- there's things I don't like about the Proteus saga we're gonna get to. But, but like but overall, like this the Yeah, the, pacing wise. The yeah, pacing, it felt like a complete right? story. This felt like it was missing. Charles out. isn't there. That's what you love most. Charles isn't there. They can be themselves. They're them themselves. They're in charge. Charles isn't in charge. Scott's in charge, and you love Scott. And there that's... is there is two moments I'm like, Scott's my man right there. Just I know. I can there's many times I'm reading this, I'm like this is the scott he doesn't even know it because he hasn't really read it in this context yet but this is yeah. the scott that nick loves but it is there, there's yeah there's two moments i'm like that's my guy right there yeah. all right well narrator you were going to describe what happens in between the issues of uh up until or i guess shortly after issue 108 yeah, because we're gonna a lot's about to happen, and and when the narrator's done giving, again we're reading from a book, 
Yes, this uh, is in the actual omnibus for the, the Phoenix Saga. Yes, this of is the not, issues it skips. This is not a Dawn of X podcast original. This is no. um this is from the book. But um yeah, I have a couple notes I'd like to add to it afterwards, but uh narrator, please. Take it away. Gather round, children. Shortly after X-Men 108, Magneto captured the X-Men, including former member Beast, and brought them to his underground Antarctic base. Phoenix attacked Magneto, but in the middle of the battle, her seemingly inexhaustible new powers reached a sudden limit, and she was defeated. Magneto imprisoned and tormented the X-Men, but they eventually escaped and turned the tables, attacking Magneto as a coordinated team. Unfortunately, the fight damaged Magneto's base, and a nearby live volcano flooded the underground complex with lava. As the X-Men scrambled to safety, they were split up. Phoenix and Beast tunneled to freedom in one direction, and the rest of the team in another. Both groups presumed that the other had died in the lava flood. Barely surviving the harsh Antarctic wastes, Phoenix and Beast returned home and sorrowfully informed Professor X of the X-Men's deaths. Grief-stricken, he closed down the mansion and headed to outer space with Lalandra, <laughs> who was soon to be crowned new leader of the Shi'ar Empire. Phoenix took a vacation in Greece to come to terms with her losses, then traveled to Muir Island. <laughs> They're all just like, peace. <laughs> Meanwhile, the rest of the X-Men, very much alive, attempted to return home, but events conspired to delay them, sending them on a circuitous route through the Savage Land, Japan, and Canada. Threat after threat slowed them down, including Sauron, Garok, Moses Magnum, and Alpha Flight. But the X-Men finally arrived home to find the mansion empty and their equipment mothballed. Arriving on Muir Island, Phoenix reunited with Moira McTaggart, Jamie Madrix, Havoc, and Polaris. But an evil presence secretly lurked in the shadows of the island, a presence that had already killed once. Later on the Scottish mainland, Phoenix had a seemingly chance encounter with a man named Jason Wingard, unaware that he plotted to seduce her into joining an ominous-sounding organization called the Hellfire Club. Dun-dun-dun! So, uh, any notes before we go to the summary of the next issue? Yeah, a couple <laughs> a couple notes. Um, one, there's a scene. So the narrator, first of all, when I read that, I was like, "Oh, Jess can just read this. It doesn't sound much different than some nonsense I would write." Like, That's yeah. 100%. Somebody got paid to write that shit. I want a new job. <laughs> <laughs> I but there's there's a scene in one of the um in the um when they're in the savage land. So then like the Antarctic part of it, um, Scott Summers, uh, Oh, Scott Summers shaves and he's got just like a, like a mustache because he's been growing out this beard. Cause he's in, you know, been struggling for his life in the savage land. And he looks in the water and he's like, wow, I look a lot like that guy Corsair. <laughs> <laughs> and then he oh, starts no. having like, I wonder if he could be, 
he did have like an American accent. And it, that's how he starts like piecing together that his dad might be Corsair because what? he looks like him. That's the fucking Scott Summers you love. I, I remember I remember in the other book. He I doesn't he doesn't like, like it, it's just a fleeting thought. Like it's not yeah. when he's like, that must be true. Yeah. Just a quick thing. But I remember in the other book, like I think it was Gene that first noticed, like he's using earth terms. Yeah. So yeah, like and, he's yeah. not from around here. But to that extent, Storm does know because Storm overheard during this time when Cor- the Star Jammers are like deuces, we gotta go. And Corsair tells Gene, Hey, don't tell Scott. I don't think I think it's gonna like be too much from him for him. Yeah. And um, Storm overhears that, and she doesn't like that Corsair asked her to do that, and she doesn't like that Jean agreed to it, and now Storm feels, like, bound to do it. So I don't really remember, because I didn't read them, but I I don't remember if Storm ends up telling Scott because of that or if Jean tells Scott some other time. But one of those two eventually tells Scott, but his first fucking thoughts about it is because, huh, I kind of look like that handsome devil Corsair, don't I? (laughs) Um, so I just had this realization and it's kind of random but for anyone who read Guardians of the Galaxy before the movie came out like the Dan Abbott run um, I just kind of realized they made the Guardians in the movies basically the Star Jammers yeah right I think I think we might have said that after the first episode I mean after the first movie then maybe I forgot because like that just hitting me like Corsair is basically what Star Lord is now exactly yeah yeah Wild stuff. All yeah, right. Yeah. Um, let me just look through here one more time. Uh, Banshee hurts him. So as we'll see in the Proteus saga, Banshee gets, a, he hurts himself using, like he can't use his powers anymore because he fights some motherfucker in Japan who I can't even remember now. Um, but it becomes a big plot issue. Uh, they already mentioned Jason Wingard. Oh, and then I was telling our narrator during a break, but up until issue 113, X-Men was being published every other month. But it was it began became so popular at this point that they started publishing it every month. Okay. Right. So now the issues we're reading now is basically the start of like the height of the X-Men popularity. Of like when okay. it just started like becoming the number one with a bullet. Well, strap in listeners, because now we are starting the Proteus saga within the Phoenix saga. On Muir Island, Moira McTaggart is running some tests to help Jean determine what is happening with her powers. Jean is in her phoenix outfit while projecting the classic phoenix form around her. It's a gorgeous and terrifying scene. Jean, using the phoenix's voice, asks Moira how much longer that this whole thing is becoming a drag. When Moira asks how Jean feels after exerting all that power, Jean says she feels fine, that using her powers used to drain her, but now it makes her feel good. Moira tells her, there's no comparison between Marvel Girl and Phoenix. Your powers have made a quantum leap. Claremont really wants you to know that Jean is cool now. So fucking cool. Then we cut to the mansion where the X-Men, who currently think Jean and Beast are dead and have no fucking clue where Xavier is, are practicing in the danger room. Scott and Storm are running the drill from the computer, and Scott is not messing around. After embarrassing Nightcrawler, Colossus, and most importantly, Wolverine, Wolverine gets real pissy and storms off. 
Scott and Storm share a moment, and Scott tells her that he worries the team isn't prepared enough. We then check in with a brooding and recovering Magneto on Asteroid M. This is just Claremont letting, laying some groundwork for his eventual rehabilitation of Magneto. Nothing to worry about right now, though. What we do need to worry about, however, is motherfucking Jason Wingard. This complete scumbag is hanging out in some rented room in Scotland thinking about his evil plan to manipulate Jean Grey into becoming the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. And when I say manipulate, please know that I mean emotionally abusive, gaslighting, outright sexually abusive, and into becoming the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. Great guy. Anyway, we learn that Jason Wingard has been following Jean since she left New York, disguising himself as people she's met and confiding in all along her trip through Europe. Back on Muir Island, Jean and Lorna are hanging out. Lorna is concerned about Jean, mainly because Jean just completely stopped mid-sentence to stare at herself in the mirror. Which, Lorna, can you blame her? To prove that everything is okay, Jean uses her power to change her clothes while dancing around the room. Guys, perfectly normal, non-manic behavior. In her lab, Moira discovers what she and Xavier have always feared, that Jean's powers have almost no limits anymore, that she is near godlike. As she ponders what this could mean... And thanks to Jonathan Hickman, we know that she knows exactly what this means. Moira finds a gold tooth lying on the floor outside of Mutant X's holding cell. When she checks to see if this mysterious creature is still in its cage, she is horrified by what she finds. Elsewhere, in fucking space, Xavier decides to check the Shi'ar archives to find out what the hell happened when the X-Men battled with the Imperial Guard. He learns that it was Jean that almost single-handedly saved the entire universe. This really upsets him because he's an awful teacher and father. Back again to Muir Island, Claremont really likes to jump around. Jean is heading to Moira's lab and walks by Jamie and Alex. Jean is wearing a sleeveless shirt and a skirt, while Jamie and Alex are bundled up for the cold. Alex thinks to himself that Jean is flaunting her powers, her powers. Yeah, that's what he's looking at, her powers. Jean, without any guilt, just reads his mind like a fucking psycho as she walks by and agrees, yeah, she is flaunting in. That's when Jean hears a scream from the lab and goes flying in, telekinetically changing into her phoenix outfit feeling overly confident and powerful jean slips into a vision of being in 18th century england while naturally confused and distracted by this she is snuck up on and attacked back in westchester beast is breaking into the x mansion and is surprised to find nightcrawler but not as surprised as Nightcrawler is, and he bamps away to tell Scott that a ghost has broken in. Scott and the rest of the X-Men run to check out what's happening, but it really is Beast. 
Everyone is so happy to find each other alive, and Beast tells everyone the good news that Jean is also alive and that Xavier is fine. He's just in space with his new bird girlfriend. <laughs> Scott then does the thing he finds hardest in life. He picks up the phone and calls Moira's lab. But wouldn't you know it, Lorna picks up and tells him that they just heard a scream and alarms are coming from the lab where Moira and Jean are, so Scott and the crew better come quickly. All right, so a lot happens in this issue, but way more important than any of that is my strong belief that I've had for many years now. Anytime Jean is dead or presumed dead, Cyclops is a better fucking character. He just is. And nothing shows the beginning of that more than the Danger Room segment, because I actually like that part of him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like when he's like, you motherfuckers, either you take it way too seriously or you take it as a fucking joke. And Wolverine's immediately like, fuck you, old man. I don't give a fuck what you think. And his reaction's always like, whatever. See you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. I, you know, I, you know, I'm all for like Jean being just by herself, frankly. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that one for sure. That's a, that's a, that's a really good point. Every time. And yeah, I, I think oh yeah, when Wolverine's like, you know where to find me. It's so funny to have someone go, go fuck you. Anyway, you know where to find me. <laughs> it, it's, uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, I'll be around when you when you wisen up, Scott. It's like, all right, all right. Um, I, and for me reading this, I just kept th- thinking it was so funny. Just like two groups of X-Men think the other's dead. And just, you know, they went through it. It's fine. Yeah, they just do what they got to do. You know, Jean goes on and just does whatever the hell she's going to do. And no one can use a phone. No. Yeah. I mean, God forbid. any times in the history of Scott Summers life could all of his problems be solved by just picking up a fucking phone. I did like the recap. The Phoenix recap page was really nice. Like yeah. that artwork was was pretty solid. Like, yeah, that's I, I like, like that started really kicking in. Yeah. And that's what you say. That's why I feel like it started really kick, clicking and kicking in. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of that artwork for like the the recap too felt like an homage to like that Dave Cockrum style too. Probably why I liked it so much. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I I love like speaking of that because it's got that that you don't see it a whole lot with with John Byrne. He does he does it he brings it out for the Phoenix though like that opening page of like the Phoenix Force when she's like being in the testing with Moira and shit like. First of all, she fucking like John Byrne draws a hot ass Jean Grey. <laughs> like he's got that. He's got that. Like, but <laughs> well, like you can almost see starting here what he likes to draw and how he likes to draw it. Yeah, and you like, can definitely tell his favorite, like one of his favorite things to do is one draw Jean yeah. Grey and Jean two, Grey, yeah. and he loves Wolverine. You can tell right away he loves fucking. He, and I he, say Nightcrawler bamfing like those that black and orange white effect. Yeah. You can tell he likes using that a lot too. Yeah, there's he does some good ones in this in this in this series of of like BAMP transitions for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, this issue so fucking much gets started though in this issue. I mean, this is like the true essence. And I, I know you keep you know like oh why are we doing the Proteus saga for the Phoenix like but like no, I'm, just, I'm just busting your balls. No, I know you are, <laughs> but like this and and that's. I think a rationale a lot of people have, but it's because this is where it really starts. Like a lot of people, when they cover the dark Phoenix saga, they start at issue. Like uh, Hellfire Club. Yeah. The one we're going to start for the Hellfire Club. Um, That's where it generally starts. Like 
but honestly here is if you if you really want to do like a real short version here is where it starts because this is where jason fucking wingard gets involved this is where we start seeing gene way more being seduced by the fucking power like when she, when she's gazed off into space because she's viewing herself in the mirror because john burns drawing her she <laughs> uh Lorna is like, hey, dude, Earth to uh, Earth to uh, what's your face? You you there? And she like, it's like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And she like, ballerinas around the room using her fucking Phoenix Force power to just change her outfit at will. Like, yeah. hey, I'm fine. This is fun. And Lorna is like, ha, like fucking terrified out of her mind. Like she's quick to fucking anger. We see it with like the bad guys, but we also see it when she like, when she's walking on the like. When she's walking to the lab and um alex and um jamie are like doing something in the field i don't fucking know what they're doing and like they're all they're all bundled up like i don't know what are they doing they're in a field and they're doing something yeah like, what the fuck are they doing they're at a research lab what the fuck are they doing in the field like like the working a farm but anyway, um, she walks by them. They're all bundled up, and she's just like wearing like a sleeveless shirt and whatnot. And like, Alex is thinking to himself, like, "Oh, she's just so powerful now, and she just doesn't care who knows it." And like, she just like reads his mind. She has no problem doing that. But like, she feels like intoxicated by it. like, yeah, people are noticing. But also, then she gets mad for feeling judged, like just like that. Like, her like her temper, her temperament change, her like her manic behavior that i i believe is like the phoenix force is now coming in contact with fucking mastermind slash jason wingard for the first time who is now about to fucking quite literally the plot of the dark phoenix story manipulate her into thinking she lives in like 18th century england and is her and is his husband and fucking like disgusting a disgusting implication dark, yeah like um, dark uh, the dark and dark phoenix stands for a lot well also it shows off how powerful he must be to still mentally manipulate someone who is a god now but they do a lot of work too to show you that she's like a little weakened right now like she got yes, yeah. she's been weakened from the stuff with the Emcron crystal from the fucking other like everything that she's done recently she's also like I think I think a lot of like the subtlety of that manic issue, that bipolarness of it, I think a lot of it is she's feeling like more Jean Grey and less Phoenixy right now. So she's more vulnerable. Mm. And I think that is why I think the I think what we're left really to focus on is she's at a very vulnerable spot right now and Jason Wingard takes advantage of that. Yeah. Any other notes? Uh, a lot happens, but a lot, it's a lot of setup. It's a, it's a, a lot setup does issue. happen. A lot does happen. I think, um, yeah, I, I think enough cannot be said about just how despicable Mastermind slash Jason Wingard is. And um, just with or without the retcon, Xavier and Moyer are like truly awful people and guardians. And like, well, Moyer's choice is next issue. Um, <laughs> and like, are sketchy. Again, like reading all of that with the fucking. With the Hoxpox retcon, man. Jesus, H. Christ. Also, I like the way John Byrne does Beast Space. <laughs> yeah, it's very old. 
it's very old school. And, yeah. and, and again, we didn't exactly. see Dave Cockrum draw Beast very often because Beast was off with the Avengers. Yeah, he drew him as a human in one issue when he was fake true. Beast. Yeah. That's true because it was the yeah, the clone Beast. That's right. Good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got for this issue. That's all I got? All right. Uh, I'm trying to see anything else. Nope. So now we're going to issue 126. Can we just talk about this weird panel at the beginning where like, Jean can change her outfit into anything, yeah. but she chooses to be naked and then put a robe oh, on. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's a really good point. That is a really good point. <laughs> like, what is happening in that scene? We uh, see her literally change into five different outfits as she pleases. That like, is that is a really is good Is that point. a power play? It's like, a power play towards Moira. Is that like a... I'm better looking than you. I, mean, I don't know. I don't, know. I, don't know. I don't know the dynamic there at this point in time. But I, I don't know. I feel I like I, I feel I like, like I got to stitch this in. That's why a really is she good point. naked? I think you should put it in. Yeah, it's an odd choice for her. Yeah. The X Men are hauling ass in the Blackbird towards Muir Island. Scott has found out that Jean is alive. But also, now she might be dead, so he's flying the jet like he stole it and nearly kills some fishermen off the coast. When they arrive, Colossus literally drops into Moira's lap and Kurt bamps into the main estate. Kurt finds an unconscious Lorna next to the mummified corpse of the hovercraft rental dude from a few issues earlier. You remember the guy. The guy the X-Men basically robbed. Banshee's powers are still on the fritz from their most recent battle in Japan, so he stays to take care of Lorna while Kurt bamps to the lab and Storm literally picks Scott up and flies him to the lab. While in the lab, Nightcrawler encounters Havoc. Alex still thinks the X-Men are dead, so he doesn't believe it's really Kurt. Plus, Kurt's in the shadows and he has that new shadow power so he can't really see him. That's when Colossus gets the jump on Alex, and another happy reunion is underway. Meanwhile, on the other side of the lab, Storm and Scott find Moira. Moira says she heard Jean scream, but she hasn't been able to find her yet. That's right. The lab is so large that in the time it took the X-Men to fly to Scotland, Moira still hasn't found Jean. But luckily, Cyclops is able to find her immediately. Scott finds Jean passed out, and as she wakes in his arms, she sees Jason Wingard's face instead and calls out his name. Scott really doesn't enjoy that. The X-Men, Moira, Alex, and Jamie Madrix then reconvene in the estate, and Moira reveals that something known as Mutant X has escaped, and that he's the one that killed the somewhat bigoted hovercraft rental salesman. Jamie says he used his power to make duplicates of himself to try and save Lorna from Mutant X, but the dupe was possessed and Mutant X got away. Oh, and Mutant X is also Moira's son. Dun, dun, dun. When we cut to elsewhere in Scotland, where the possessed body of one of Jamie's dupes is walking around town like Jack the Ripper... We learn that he needs to keep possessing people or he will die. Proteus then tries to possess Jason Wingard, but is unable to because of Mastermind's powers. 
So instead, Proteus possesses and kills some random dude in the true Claremont fashion. Back on Muir Island, Scott devises a plan for the X-Men and they go on the hunt for Moira's son. Storm and Jean go on aerial surveillance. Kurt and Wolverine go one way, Scott and Moira go another. While searching for Proteus, Jean is distracted and Jason Wingard once again draws her into his illusion and she finds herself in 18th century England, leading a different kind of hunt. In this illusion, she is a noblewoman and is falling in love with Jason. She and Jason are on horseback with a pack of hunting dogs. The hunting dogs corner their prey and Jason calls Jean over to finish the kill. Only it's not a buck or a fox, but instead they were hunting a man dressed as a buck. Jean is shocked, but a little intrigued by the prospect of killing this man for sport. And that's when she snaps out of the illusion and realizes she's instead looking at another mummified corpse. Meanwhile, Wolverine is on the trail of Proteus by following the unique scent his power gives off. Sure. He and Kurt find Proteus possessing the body of a police officer. Proteus tries to then possess Wolverine, but we learn that metal is one of Proteus's weaknesses, and Wolverine is full of that shit. That's when we learn about Proteus's real power. Proteus can manipulate reality, and Wolverine and Nightcrawler begin to descend into madness. Storm arrives in time to help, but it's short-lived as Proteus is then able to affect Storm, and she crashes to the ground. As Storm is injured on the ground, Proteus begins to approach her to possess her. She summons a windstorm to try to keep him away, but he keeps creeping closer and closer, and there's nothing Wolverine or Kurt can do to help. So... Now going back, I do think these next two issues, this one and the next one, are my favorite ones. They feel the most complete. The art is really on point, especially in the second half of this issue. Mm-hmm. And I like just the pacing of the whole story. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned the art because I'm on page 236 right now. And it's that's not exactly my, what we're on right now. And it's not one of my notes, but I it is a note in my brain. It's dad ass on Gene. Sometimes people <laughs> sometimes people remember to when she's looking at that mummified corpse, that's a night that's you gotta you gotta give it. You gotta give it to him. You gotta give it. Sorry, I'm busy looking narrator at the knows human the, the, the human buck. <laughs> yeah. Which like, I do have a note on though, like to get into <laughs> like the um to get into the the gene and wolverine love triangle of it all. Looking at this now like that that character in his like body shape and hairiness combination resembles a little bit of a wolverine type figure and like the very next panel is wolverine like being all primal and being all primal and sniffing in the and the horns like his mask has like the the spiky bits he's got this so i think i hey i'm I'm not yeah, saying she wants they, to kill him because he's sexually harassing her. I think I what I'm saying is Jean is feeling this like primal sexualized version of herself that that is being explored by Jason. And I think that's some of that sexual harassment that Wolverine is hoping will lead to love maybe is showing it's it's, uh, you know, you know how sexual harassment often leads to love in, in the oh, 19, absolutely. 
in night in early 1980 that's so many yeah. so many movies and in, in sitcoms were based on such such premises accurately displayed what it's like yeah and and can we talk about just chris claremont what a wonderful brilliant mind one of proteus's only weaknesses metal all right As we gotta talk about that <laughs> no one else on god's green earth is hurt by metal it's like that's not a weakness. That's just a thing. That's not. That's not a weak. All flesh. I know guns frankly, aren't my weakness. Like, frankly, Kevin, you're mad that you don't have a flesh body anymore. But being weak to metal is one of the most flesh things about you. Like the fact that we have Polaris, you know, a person that can control metal, maybe fling it at him from a far distance. No, because right now Polaris is only good for answering telephones. <laughs> um rescuing people with her powers and then disappearing and then disappearing and then in the next issue we'll see also like just randomly like just getting borderline naked in the back of vandals <laughs> in the middle of the cold it's cold we we just it's in one of these issues that we learn that it's cold there because they make a point about jean gray walking around using her powers to keep her warm and yet Polaris is just ripping her, like getting into her sexy outfit. Like, all right. She saw Jean do it and she's like, fucking bitch. I got she's like, it's fucking ideas too. She's like, bitch, I can use my metal, my magnetic powers to make myself warm. I just do something to the iron in my blood and now I'm warm. (laughs) Boom. If my father can come up with nonsense, I can come up with nonsense. But then also, like, he can't hurt Wolverine too much because of the metal in his body. So then how does he warp anything else in reality? Metals everywhere. He well, he can't possess. He can't like physically go into him, but his power. Oh, he can still warp it. Okay, he I thought I meant like he couldn't it. affect things that are metal. No, no, no he just because I had another question when he fought Colossus earlier. I was like, well, then, okay. <laughs> it's his natural form can't come in contact with it. Gotcha. All right. So if it goes through the body, you know, like if it goes through his body, like a bullet, say, it would hurt him. Like unlike. So, Unlike us, who a bullet yeah. would not hurt. <laughs> not hurt us. Um, not our weakness. Um, a few notes that I really like the second half more of this issue because the art was on point, but also the warpiness art was really cool. Where he's like yeah. fucking with uh, Nightcrawler and, and yeah, and that's like that. Like again, that's something that like John Byrne. I I don't I don't think he did su- like that weird shit super well. And like when we saw him take over in the the Emcron crystal stuff, but now exactly like he found his group of how he wants yeah. to do it. It almost looks more seventies based. If that makes which sense. Which it so, is, which, which yeah, is, I mean, this that. is like 79, 80, something like that. Yeah. But it looks more, not pulpy, but like it pops out more in a seventies way. Yeah. than mm-hmm. the other style does, which was very, still leaning on that kind of early late sixties vibe. And my favorite panel actually, this whole thing is when storm is fighting Proteus and Wolverine just goes on top of Nightcrawler and then digs his claws into the ground to hold him in place. Really, oh yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah, really, really fucking cool. Just that imagery of like she's in control and Wolverine. All he can do is just make sure Nightcrawler is okay. And as um our narrator pointed out, immediately in uh, a picture of Storm's tushy just right there. To yeah, I mean a little bubble butt to end the issue. J- John Byrne loves drawing an ass. I think that's what we're I think that's what we're learning. I think that's what we're learning. But I, um, I missed no. what the narrator said. Uh, said he did a wonderful job. He did a wonderful job. Yeah. yeah the only other uh, the only other thing I we we should touch on, and we'll probably get on on it further here in the next issue. Um, 
this is Moira's son. Yeah. Even not even without the retcon. She's ready to kill him. She's ready to kill him. She locks him up and calls him Mutant X. Yeah. We don't even learn his real name is Kevin in this goddamn series. Yeah. Doesn't even give poor Kevin a name. Kevin oh, goes yeah. on. Oh. He goes on. Proteus goes on to become one of the main parts of the resurrection team in our current day. He's the one that's able to like warp the reality to bring it back to bring the people back. Like, um, I also like the part where Wolverine's just bitching about the situation, and Cyclops is kind of just like, "Dude, it is what it is." And he's like, "I know, but I don't have to like it." And then he just slices the table. That's someone's table. <laughs> Dude, Wolverine is just a whiny bitch. <laughs> he is. And next up, we have issue one twenty-seven. Take it away, narrator. Cornered and alone, Storm makes one last desperate attempt to escape Proteus by taking flight. Unfortunately, just like she feared, Proteus uses his power to distort reality around her and she comes crashing down again. Right before Proteus can reach her to possess her, a bullet hits the ground right in front of him. The storm that Storm created is still raging and Proteus can't see where the shots are coming from. And unlike everyone else, bullets can kill Proteus because they're metal. Turns out it's Moira trying to assassinate her own son. But before she can fire again, Scott finds her and pushes the gun away. Moira, as we now know, is a cold-hearted son of a bitch. And she hits Scott in the gut with the gun and he falls. As he falls, he hits his head on a rock and passes out. (laughs) Moira at least checks to make sure Scott is still alive. And then she leaves him there to continue going after Proteus, who escaped after Scott intervened. With Moira and Proteus on the run, all the X-Men regroup. Everyone is shaken from their encounters, but Wolverine seems more shaken than the rest. Scott, having only Xavier as a father figure and mentor, decides the best course of action is to test Wolverine by goading him into a fight. Scott throws tea or coffee in Wolverine's face and basically calls him a pussy for being shaken up. Wolverine and Scott begin to fight as the other X-Men yell at Scott to calm the fuck down. Jean, who knows what Scott's plan is and who loves a bit of violence now, stops Colossus and the others from intervening. Storm steps up, but Scott is able to knock her off her feet as well. Finally, with asshole grins on their faces, Scott and Jean tell everyone that he was just testing them to make sure Proteus wasn't still in their heads. This clearly sexually excites Wolverine, and for the first time, he really respects Scott. The love triangle is forming. Meanwhile, Proteus has possessed some random lady and is driving to Edinburgh to find the one I hate. We then cut to see that Moira has gotten to the destination first and that the man Proteus hates is his father, Moira's awful and abusive husband, Joe. Joe is an MP and very powerful, and despite them not being together, he has refused to give her a divorce. Moira tells Joe that they have a son and that his son is coming to kill him. 
Joe is upset that Moira never told him about his son and starts aggressively approaching her. Moira pulls out a fucking gun and says she's only there to warn him and that she'll kill him herself if he tries anything. Joe kicks Moira out and then calls the police, but Proteus arrives before Joe can get a hold of the cops. Back on the outskirts of town, the X-Men are still working on their plan while Jean is telepathically searching for signs of Proteus. She's hit with a psychic blast as she finds him, and the X-Men take off. Proteus has now possessed his father and is feeling extra powerful as he now turns his attention towards Moira. The X-Men arrive but still can't mount an attack against Proteus's reality-distorting powers. That's when Proteus takes Moira hostage and tells the X-Men to fuck off or he's going to kill her. Just a caveat, if he has reality-bending powers, why does metal hurt him? Hmm. Why Just isn't? change that. <laughs> yeah. There change you go. It. Solved it. You have to have that so you can give Colossus one of his best moments in comics. That's not talked about nearly enough. Two of the X-Men characters have metal as a prominent part of their character power. And they're new characters-ish. And so there, that's why. Boom. Problem solved. So right off the bat, we got to talk about my boy having a great-ass moment. Cyclops not only showing why he's a good leader making sure his team's actually okay and showing that he could beat his team. Signs of a good leader. Signs making of a good sure, leader. Making sure everybody's okay by telling them all they're a bunch of fucking pussy-ass bitches yeah, and trying step it to up. fight them. Step it up, bitches. Step it up. All right. Weren't, you, you're... All right. <laughs> I'd love to see you respond to Scott's, to Scott's teachings. <laughs> I I I am mad. I can't wait to get the phone call afterwards. Like, he's so fucking mean to me all the time. <laughs> Listen, I started cheering in my head when like he even got Storm because in this book so far we have shown how competent, amazing, and powerful Storm is. And basically, Scott works under the idea of everyone underestimates the guy who has laser eyes. Famously. 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 Like, when he bounced it off Colossus, I'm like, yeah, that's my guy right there. I mean, man knows how to use his powers. He really fucking does. And I do love, on page 251, the fucking smile he gives back to Wolverine, like, you know you like that, you dirty little bitch. (laughs) I also love just like, I'm gonna, you know, I gotta make sure, you know, I gotta make sure you're okay. And I'm just gonna throw coffee in your face. I'm just kind of like, first of all, we don't really know that he has a healing factor right now. So he could yes. have just like burned his fucking face off. <laughs> He's seen enough. He's seen enough. But this, like, also, did he, wait, did he already do that thing where he was like shooting him in the back when he was falling? Was that next issue? He does it right in. No, this is the next issue. Yeah. yeah it's next, another okay. time he's testing out his theory that Wolverine can heal. <laughs> of course, Cyclops is the one of like, man, I hope this fucking dickhead survives this one. um i also again props to the art i love these zombie bodies yeah the mummified bodies are pretty pretty creepy looking is this still when they couldn't say zombie back then maybe because the comics code maybe yeah i mean i think the comics code was still happening around here yeah because i remember they had zoom zoom v who was like a living zombie which 
negates the point of it. Yeah. Like when he had a necklace, he became a zombie or something like but that. But to circle back on a point I was making about the last issue, uh, still on two on 255 here, that's the panel at the last panel here is where Lauren is just like in the background, like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and just fucking take my top off everyone. If anybody <laughs> needs me. Everyone needs me. I'll be naked. <laughs> like, she's just like, all right, I'm going to pop up. But then we see that. We see like, oh, let's draw these like sexy ladies getting naked. And then the very next page, all the women are carrying basically the men into battle as they fly into like okay i love this because they all fly like they're the ones doing it like they put oh, their yeah. arms like, they're like I'm, I'm, I'm doing it am i doing like, good? like whoa what's going on but everyone else is like hands scott, straight in the air scott is like his arms are back like a little jet he's like i'm the blackbird also banshee can fly <laughs> no he can't he doesn't have his powers baby oh yeah yeah, yeah. But like, it's just funny to watch. Like, it's 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 like, ridiculous. Bro. It's ridiculous. Um, and I and I yeah, and I just more to the art. I just want to say, the fucking Phoenix outfit is top notch. I forgot how much I love the goddamn Phoenix outfit with the giant hair. Yeah, love it. All of it. The fucking hair. The weird belt. The fucking the the fucking boots. Love them all. Love it all. Love I them. love how shitty Moira's ex husband is. Oh like, my god! I love the you idea the of guy? like, <laughs> good. The guy who they they can't come out and say it because of the comics code, but on their on their fond farewell that left her both in the hospital and pregnant. So the guy who beat and raped her, and that's how we got Proteus. That's what yeah. we find out is that Kevin. So again, remember this is retcon. She knew she this is what she chose to have happen in order to get really Proteus dark. so that they could make Krakoa. But his reasoning of like I can't divorce you, it's too good for like my numbers and my votes. Yeah. Like but have a wife that's never around. But then no, like he also calls the cops on her later. So, to be like, to, to be married to like a renowned professor and scientist, basically, is yeah. it's too it's too good he to let up. Earlier. Like that's why he doesn't divorce her divorce her. And I'm just like that's a that's a choice, man. But yeah, I mean, that's the world where Liz, like, I mean, when you look at the cover for issue 128, you'll see it's approved by the comics code. But yeah, yeah I mean, that, they fucking Chris Claremont, like this, the X-Men, it's in this point that the X-Men go from being like a kid's book with like some adult themes to, this is like mostly adult. These people are, these. this is hardcore shit. Like, he, definitely adult themes. Um, I also love that image near the end of the book where Cyclops is shooting his beams, but turns into like blocks. Oh, that's so cool looking. That's pretty cool. That's so cool looking. Like look, they look like little flower petals or something when mm -hmm. I look at it. Like it's cool looking. Right, but yeah, another notes. another solid issue. Again, pacing is really on point. Like this has felt like the most complete story so far. Yeah, nothing I'm feels rushed. Like this is a story we're telling. It's going to be complete in these, you know, five ish issues. And like, that's what it is. I really like it so far. Yeah, I do. This is this will come out on Friday. So everyone will know this by now. But breaking news. Henry fucking Kissinger has finally died. Literally on my <laughs> phone. I just got an alert at 100 years old. That war criminal is dead. Congratulations. <laughs> the world is good. It's an X-Men miracle. It's an X-Men miracle. <laughs> I'm trying to think anything else. Like, no, but it's just a just a solid issue. I feel like the team is acting like a team, even though 
Cyclops has to be an asshole to make them be a team in a weird way. Dude, it's because it's because he's been hanging out with Wolverine, and now he's like he's like it's it's because those two those two love each other more than Scott and Gene. Like they they are better <laughs> you know, together. That I believe. I always together. said it's, it always feels like Scott and Gene are stuck in high school sweetheart phase, and it's like sometimes you um you know and he's don't like, need that. He can't think straight when she's around, as will as as will be the entire premise of the Dark Phoenix saga. <laughs> yes, you know sometimes he might end up dating a girl who just. Suspiciously looks just like his dead girl. I mean, he was dating Colleen Wing while she while Jean was gone. He was? Yeah. Why did Misty Knight and Colleen Wing, the daughters of the dragon? Because Chris Claremont was involved. <laughs> and he <laughs> loves cool women. Part in this. All right. Well, any more notes? That's all I got for that issue. Then next up. Actually, I will say this. These are good issues, and we have less to say about them because they're so coherent and good and well paced. I know. I know. After they're... the summary, it's hard to say much about it. I know. It's like, the, yeah, the like, summary did. The a lot world of... isn't ending because of a random crystal and five different alien armies pop in just for shits and giggles. Nope. All right. Next up, we're capping it off with issue 128. Proteus, still in the body of his father, has kidnapped Moira and is using his reality-warping powers to cause chaos on the streets of Edinburgh. Moira pleads with Proteus to stop, but between his own anger and the anger he feels in his father's body, Proteus just lashes out harder. The X-Men jump in to try and save civilians while also trying to withstand the power of Proteus. Wolverine struggles again against this reality-warping power, and Polaris swoops in to save him. With the X-Men distracted, Proteus turns his attention towards Moira and begins torturing her. As a disturbing mix of both her son and abusive husband, Proteus tells Moira that her body and mind belong to him now, that she tried to leave his father and abandon him, and now she will be his theirs forever proteus also turns her into a weird looking elephant the x-men regroup and mount another attack on proteus it doesn't go well however as storm ends up being trapped in amber like some jurassic park mosquito and banshee gets buried in the streets of edinburgh Luckily, Wolverine and Nightcrawler are able to save Storm and Banshee, again with some assistance from Polaris. However, Proteus is able to escape with Moira during all of this. Jean follows Proteus as he makes his way to some random castle and is able to subdue him at first. However, Proteus is able to zap her with her power with his powers, and her scream draws an enraged Wolverine out of the literal woodwork. Cyclops and Havoc show up right then and start attacking Proteus as well. Scott tells Wolverine to get Moira to safety, and after a shot at Scott for not caring about Jean enough, Wolverine does as he's told. However, Proteus isn't down long and escapes from Scott and Alex and takes off after Wolverine and Moira again. Proteus catches them and sends Wolverine flying down the cliff he was climbing with Moira. Scott is able to break Wolverine's fall with his optic blast. We're starting to see the beginning of Wolverine's healing factor. And Colossus heads up the cliff to rescue Moira. 
On top of the cliff, Proteus is able to possess and kill Moira when Colossus arrives. He hurls Proteus away, and the body Proteus was inhabiting finally gives out, and we see Proteus in his true energy-based state for the first time. Proteus uses his power to make Colossus think he's on fire and in the rocket ship with his dead cosmonaut brother. Oh. <laughs> but Colossus is able to push through the illusion and using his metal form, destroy Proteus. The rest of the X-Men arrive as Colossus comforts Moira. Moira and Sean then share a tender moment while the rest of the X-Men are just happy to be alive. Yeah, I mean... A lot, a lot happens. For I think I might have, I think I might have had a typo for our um, our narrator. So sorry about. Sorry, I I think I messed up and made it seem like Moira got killed at one point, but Moira did not get killed. (laughs) That's my bad. That's my bad. Um, but no, a a lot definitely happens in issue. I kind of imagined the ending of um X Men Last Stand. Which is like swirling reality everywhere, yeah, right. burning, mm-hmm. exploding, and dissolving. Yeah, I. It, it's great. Like it, it, to that point, there's a scene where um, Proteus turns one of the buildings into like a bunch of swarming bees. Yeah, and then even Storm is like, "But I can't hurt the bees." I'm like, "Jesus Christ, they're not even. I don't think they're real bees. <laughs> Technically, they're not real. It's fine. You're fine. And again, they're not disappearing yet." And again, to the like to the power dynamic switch of of that Chris Claremont likes to bring to the X Men, it's Polaris who swoops in and literally like picks Wolverine up by his goddamn underwear at some point, <laughs> and then like when they're fl- when <laughs> Phoenix Jean Grey is bringing Cyclops and Wolverine and Havoc up the side of the mountain, she's using her telekinesis to do it. It's on like two seventy six. It's another page where like everyone yeah, is pretending like they're doing it themselves. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, like, like we were flying, and it's like, no, you're not doing shit. She just lifting <laughs> you. No, it's 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 crazy. Like, it it's again, it's a really tight story. Like, you're, like I don't have a ton of, of of other notes other than like, I, they locked away poor fucking Kevin. He doesn't even know what a goddamn elephant looks like when he turns. <laughs> no, yeah, into when it. that was fucked. That was creepy looking, man. Really also, like, creepy. The fucking like the Oedipus fucking nightmare that is him possessed in his rapist father's body trying to like take her forever and shit it's like jesus christ this fucking how did this get approved by the comics code i don't even know it's it's kind of heavy and like when the dad's fully zombie looking and drained as fucked but honestly if i'm a kid reading this book colossus is now one of my favorite characters because that ending's pretty cool and then he's there like the big hero at the end like basically comforting everybody yeah like that was I didn't see that coming. I thought that was really, really cool how they handled that. And she's like, I'm going to get over my shit that we went through, I guess, in real time, like two years ago. <laughs> and now I'm bringing it back. I mentioned it one time in classic Claremont fashion. Chris something Claremont, I mentioned baby. one time. Chris Claremont. In about a year or two is going to come back up and it's going to seem like I thought of this the whole time. Also, Scott's a dirty pervert. Look at the end, the last panel. He's like the only one looking back at, at Banji and Moira kissing back there. He's like, ooh, they're smooching. <laughs> you know, he likes to watch. It's fine. It happens. Oh. Uh, speaking of dirty perverts, uh, when Gene is getting hurt, <laughs> when Gene is getting hurt, oh, you and mean Wolverine's it? like, I love her. Like, First of all, it's he I, He says it in the past tense. Like He thought she was dead all of a sudden. He's like, 
I yeah. love that lady, bub. Like, like you think have you not seen her save reality? She's she also, fine. She literally just came back from the den. Yeah. But like the way he says it, like, we used to have a thing. There's no we at this point. This is a one-sided flirtation happening. Yeah, it's uh it's something else, man. It's something else. But like reading these characters in this context and this time frame and knowing that like Nightcrawler and Wolverine and Storm are all new characters in general. Like it is cool to see like the dynamic of people who are very different on every level. Right? It's cool to see that those relationships build here. Yeah. And like and then think of that what where they are now. You know what I mean? Like I, I actually just started rewatching the Claremont documentary on Amazon. Oh, nice. I, I'm going to try to do that before we're done with this. And they were talking about like how you mentioned before how these characters are basically done. Like the book was getting semi canceled here and there. Yeah. People didn't really care. It was never like the biggest hit. Even when Stanley started it, I guess they left early because it just yeah. wasn't clicking. Yeah. So seeing from that to like, Claremont saying, all right, I'm going to bring some new characters. I think they were saying in the documentary that originally it was going to be rebooted as an international team of people with powers. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So that's why you have like Storm and Nightcrawler and Russia and Germany mm-hmm. and everything like that. Yeah. So like that was Wolverine the base from of- Canada. Don't forget exactly. Wolverine from yeah. Canada. So like, but they now, because it's such a multicultural group that made it more like understandable and relatable. Shocker. It's like when you have different perspectives that aren't just a group mm-hmm. of five white people, like with one girl, you see new characters and new ways of telling the story, you know? Shocker. And like, and especially as it went on, like the women characters became such the strong leads. I mean, at some point, in the very near future in this in this book storm becomes the leader of of the team you know yeah. what i mean like scott leaves scott literally retires and storm becomes the leader like which from our stand was like claremont's initial plan like yeah that was his, his done yeah he, yeah yeah and then there was <laughs> money to be had and marvel wanted to have it uh nothing was better or worse in like the 80s and 90s than the death of a character because like it made a shit ton of money, like Superman. Superman's dead. We killed off the one of the most famous heroes of all time. What do we do? Want to bring him back? You want to bring and, him back in less than a year? And and that was that was the thing though. Like, and we'll see it when it happens. But like Claremont did not Claremont did not intend for Gene to come back. Yeah, that was not Phoenix and Gene being two separate things was not his fucking idea. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure he loves so much of it. Um, but yeah, n- not much to say other than I'm I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Proteus saga. And I learned a lot about these characters I never fucking knew. Yeah, it's fucking dark shit too. Moira's man. still insane. The absolute worst. The yeah. absolute worst. Because if I'm like one of the X-Men, I've gone through a lot of shit already in the past week, and Moira just becomes like an assassin. And like one day she has like a sniper rifle and a gun, and I'm like, who the fuck you know what? For our own retcon purposes, that's basically what we were saying when she snapped and became like the killer she is now. Like, what, what the fuck happened? That's what? true. Yeah. Clearly, yeah. it's who she is. It's clearly it's a who part she is. of her. It is legit a part of her that deep down, no matter what her intentions are, she can become a killer in two seconds, especially it's... if you fucked her over. Especially if you've been also, any... if you really want to get how fucked up it is, how many times has Moira had to live this version of her life where she gets like raped? I know. That's what I, that's I know. That's man, that retcon really fucks shit 
<laughs> makes makes fucked shit that much more fucked. Yes, yes, it does. Perfect note to end on. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Next episode is all about the Hellfire Club. And this is something I have read bits of in the past. I actually own the issue where it's like the debut of the original Hellfire Club. Nice. Um, so I've read some of this before. But I love the Hellfire Club, and I'm excited to learn things I didn't know about them in, in context and stuff like that. So that's really fun and exciting. Um, there's only part two of our hopefully just four parts of just the comic side. And thank you guys so much for supporting it so far. And we really appreciate people talking about it, spreading information. Definitely the most eyes I think we've had on the show like in terms of uh, social media. Definitely for sure. 100% yeah. sure. Some musical artists saying thank you for using their uh, song in the opening. No, thank you, good friend. <laughs> yes, thank you. And uh, thanks everyone who's talking about it. If you're a new listener, if maybe you got a flyer recently at your local comic book store and you're a new listener, welcome. Welcome to the party. Everyone here is welcome. Everyone here is a friend and everyone here is part of the X family and we appreciate you. And if you want to show some love back, Josh, where can they find us? can shoot us an email at KirkoaRadio at gmail.com. And you can find me still for now on Twitter at Madman3005. There it is, baby. That's it. Thank you guys so much. Until then, we will, we will see you next time.